This episode of Ascension On Air starts out a new series called The Time In Between. It's a series that's all about our lives in this unique period of human history. Between Christ's first coming, his life, death, resurrection, and ascension, and his second coming, when he visibly returns to bring to his people final victory. It's a unique time to live in many ways, and we'll explore various aspects of that over the next several weeks. This episode focuses on how Christians, though we live as members of God's kingdom already now, we're still members of earthly kingdoms, like the United States or Canada or China or wherever. And this dual citizenship means responsibilities in both kingdoms. All of which raises a question. How then do we balance that? How do we live as Christians, especially when our government may be working to accomplish unchristian goals? In this episode, we glean some lessons on this very subject from Daniel a young man who was challenged by the earthly kingdom he found himself in and his desire to remain faithful above all to the Lord. Now, on Ascension on Air, the time in between, living as members of both kingdoms. Does the name Jim Jordan mean anything to you? If, how, not bad. how about Kevin McCarthy? <laughs> so Bob, Bob's getting out. If you follow politics at all, you, you, you listen to these names, you hear them, and you can't help but think of the turmoil that has descended on our U.S. House of Representatives in the last couple of weeks. Um, recently, history was made as then-Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, was ousted from his position by a no-confidence vote. And, and since then, all the way until now, this was early October, the, the, um, the House has been scrambling, struggling to find someone to, to fill that position, and they haven't. And of course, the reason is because of politics. I mean, short, the short word is because there's, there's competing ideologies, there's competing thoughts, there's competing um, ideas about what the speaker should be. Some people want a speaker who's aligned this way. Others want someone who's more centrist. There are probably others who would be unsatisfied with any candidate, and they want to make that obvious to all who would listen. In short, there's some dissatisfaction with the government, and so people are working to change. And that's one of the great things about our form of government. We can work to change it. Then there's what happened almost three years ago now, on January 6th, 2021. Many were dissatisfied with the government at that time. In specific, they were dissatisfied with the outcome of the election a couple months before. And so they went to Washington to make their satisfaction known. Now, I am sure that there were some among them who wanted to do that peacefully and just make their voice heard. But they were overshadowed by those dissatisfaction led to destruction and even death. And, and you know what happened. As rioters stormed the Capitol grounds in a vain attempt to keep the Congress from formalizing the outcome of the previous presidential election, and as a result of their actions, people were hurt and even died 
property was damaged and destroyed and our form, our democratic form of government that we value so much was targeted and endangered, threatened. In short, there were some people who were dissatisfied with the government and they went down the road of just rejecting that government altogether. These, of course, are only two examples of the kind of dissatisfaction that there is in our nation, in any nation, when it comes to the government and its policies, its laws, what it does. There are many others we could talk about. I can't help but thinking about um, uh, Roe v. Roe v. Wade and how that was recently overturned, and with it, the constitutional protection for abortion that had existed since 1973. That dissatisfied many people. Of course, many other people were also very dissatisfied with Roe v. Wade in the first place over the last 50 years and the massive loss of human life that it permitted. If you go back further into the uh, mid-1800s, you find a time when brother was fighting brother because of dissatisfaction with the government. Our, our nation was at war with itself. You go back 90 years before that, and dissatisfaction led to more than just brewing tea in the Boston Harbor. Did that one land? Did you, did the Revolutionary War? Okay, I wasn't sure about that, but I just wanted to, to make sure. Okay, so, um, and, and so you look back, you can see all these examples of, of division. If you look forward, guess what we're in um, next year? Uh, dissatisfaction, more, because we have a, a, a presidential election on its way. Can you imagine, just right now, just think about all of the yard signs and all of the ads and all of the interviews and everything else that you're going to see. Will you even be able to count how many times you hear the candidates' names? I don't think so. And even after all of that time and energy spent to change the government in a way that satisfies some others, there will be a huge swath of people who are still dissatisfied. And you could just go on and on. Right? There are no shortage of ways that we, even also as Christians, people generally, but Christians too, can find dissatisfaction with the powers that be, the way things are, the government that exists, the authorities in our lives. But I think that we've established that enough now. I think that we've set the stage enough so that we can consider this question today. How do I then, as a Christian, live under a government with which I am dissatisfied? And even justly dissatisfied? Given the whole range of responses you could have from voicing your opinion to violence in the streets, how do I, as a follower of Jesus, live under an unchristian authority? That is very similar to what Daniel was dealing with and his friends 2,500 years ago. And the context, which I didn't give you when we read it, it, it it's very important. So the context is this, 2,500 years ago, so we're talking, you know, five, 600 BC, and God's people had repeatedly rejected the Lord. And so the Lord sent Babylon, an up-and-coming power, to take over to um, take uh, his people into exile. And this is what we often call the Babylonian captivity. Daniel 
and some of his friends and some of the other nobles, they were among the first to go into Babylon, taken from their home and put into a foreign environment. And it's important for us to kind of pause for a second and, and put ourselves in their shoes and imagine what it was like for them to do this, this transition. It's too easy to read about. So imagine what it was like. Because it was a foreign environment, a foreign nation, foreign culture, foreign language, foreign God, foreign everything. There was no land of Israel here for them. This was not any place that had worship for the Lord. There were false gods there. There were no priests of the Lord to serve them. There was no, you know how many celebrations the Israelite people had to remember God's saving um, work for them over their regular year. There was none of that. It was taken from these young men who went into exile. So they lost that. And on top of that, the king wanted these, man, uh, these young men that we read about, he wanted some of them to be his personal servants, the best of the best, to serve him. And for Daniel and his friends, that meant assimilation. And I know some of you are thinking about like the Borg from Star Trek and being assimilated. I, Becca's thinking about that, I know that much. But that's not what I mean. It assimilated into the Babylonian culture. That's what that three years was all about. They had to be taught Babylonian culture and literature and be exposed to the Babylonian false gods for three years. And on top of that, they were given new names. Uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are all biblical names, meaning not just that they're in the Bible, but they also reflect something of the Lord. They speak about some truth of the true God. Uh, Daniel, for instance, means God is my judge. Now, as they have lost their homeland, they now also lose their, in a sense, their original identity and are given names, Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that honor not the true God, but the false gods of Babylon. And at the end of this road, for these young men, service, to the very kingdom that stole them away. So can you imagine for a little bit how difficult this must have been for these Old Testament believers? These young men who were Israel, they were believers in the Lord, they were part of the chosen people, and now they were forced into a foreign land with a foreign purpose under a foreign king. Talk about a reason to be dissatisfied with the governing authorities over you. Talk about chafing under the authority over you. And when you set the stage like that, it, it really makes Daniel's and his, four, his three friends, their response, the way they respond to this situation, so amazing and instructive for you and me today. But Daniel... We read, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine and asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself in this way. Now, I know it's just one sentence. Excuse me. It's just one sentence plucked out of this first chapter here, but it is also very illustrative of the overall attitude of Daniel and his friends toward the situation because it shows us the attitude that you can find of Daniel throughout the whole book. Despite the situation, despite the 
they had gone through and everything that they had lost, Daniel and his friends responded to this new authority in their life by one, accepting the authority God had established. And two, prioritizing faithfulness to the Lord above all else. Holding faithful to the Lord. Remaining faithful to the Lord. And that acceptance of authority here, it, it's only hinted at in, in this verse, but it's there because Daniel asks the, the leader for permission. He, he deals um, kindly and respectfully with this foreign official who is in charge of his assimilation. And as you read through the rest of Daniel, you see the same attitude of humility toward the authorities. It comes out in Daniel all throughout the book. And it makes sense. Because Daniel and his friends stood out to the Babylonians for a reason. They were suitable to be trained. Why? Because Daniel and his friends weren't rebellious. They weren't resisting. They weren't rejecting the Babylonian authority. They were accepting it. Even though they were foreigners in a foreign land, even though they were longing for their own home, they recognized and believed that they owed obedience even to this foreign authority of Babylon. And you, you kind of think, well, why? I mean, didn't they essentially kidnap these young men? And it's true. But Daniel and his friends also knew something. See, they knew what the Lord had said. The Lord had said that this was going to happen. The Lord had said that Babylon was going to come and take his people into captivity. The Lord had foretold these events through Isaiah and Jeremiah and other prophets. And so what happened? Daniel and those who were faithful to God, they saw the Lord's hand. They saw it happening and they knew that the king, Nebuchadnezzar, he wasn't just any man then. And these officials who were over them weren't just the guys who had power. This was God's doing. This was God's working. This was God's authority. Daniel and his friends, despite the wickedness of Babylon, and there was a lot of evil in Babylon, they recognized God's hand working through this, and so they accepted the authority God had established. As for that uh, faithfulness that we read about as well, that's here too. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with royal food and wine. So not only did, did friends, they accepted this new authority, but at the same time, Daniel was remaining faithful to the Lord. And here's, here's why that's, that's true here. Um, you might think of, when you hear this idea of, of defilement with food and wine, immediately think of uh, the Old Testament requirements that there were certain foods that could be eaten and certain that would be uneaten. And that's true. That's part of this here. The Israelites were not allowed to eat certain kinds of foods. And so Daniel probably wanted to stay away for that reason. But in addition, you have to understand what would have happened to this food that was given to them from the king's table. This was an idolatrous heathen land and the, the food that was given, the wine that was given would have been consecrated, sacrificed, part of an idol feast and then given to the king and those that ate from his table. And Daniel didn't want any of that. He didn't want to part in what was false. He understood 
that God had said that this would be the situation for a time. And he understood that God had established this authority in his life. But Daniel also understood that there was one true God and that these idols were nothing and that he placed his faithfulness to God above all else. And so said, I will not sin against my conscience and eat this food that has been sacrificed and consecrated for idols. Daniel and his friends remain faithful to God above all else. So, acceptance of this authority that God established, remaining faithful to the Lord, that is the the sum and substance of Daniel and his friends, his reaction to the situation. And Here's the point, friends. That's what God desires for our attitude to be, too. Now, the truth is, you and I have not been taken by, by some foreign government into a foreign land um, and are, are ruled by, um, you know, some, some foreigners over us. Although, we, with, with some politicians, we might feel that way sometimes. We might think that way sometimes. But the truth is, we haven't. However, we still, like Daniel, live under an unchristian authority. And I don't mean unchristian to, to say like in our, our country and our laws and everything is, is, is wrong or anti-Christian. There are many laws that are good and proper. When you came to church today, you either obeyed or broke some of those good and proper laws in your car as, as you came here, right? Because, because um, we recognize that, that that's good. That's for our, our common good. But when I say that we live under an unchristian authority, we need to recognize that we, we don't live under Christ's earthly kingdom. This is not a theocracy. We don't live as Christ being the ruler of the United States, which means that there are elected officials in our lives and leaders in our, our work of our kind of government, which will at times be at odds with our identity as Christians. Are you... Let me make sure this is, this is clear. We live in, in two kingdoms, friends. Have you ever heard this before, this idea of two kingdoms? Martin Luther was very big on this, the idea that we have an earthly kingdom to which we are also subject, but we also are part of Christ's heavenly kingdom. And that's the same thing it was for Daniel. Daniel accepted the authority of his earthly kingdom while at the same time holding faithfully to the Lord even though it was going to cause tension in his life. And that is God's call for you and me too as Christians. There are so many examples, so many examples of our elected officials stumbling at their jobs, failing at their jobs. There are so many examples of unjust law, policies that promote and permit sin, there are even people in our government who are actively working against the kingdom of God in their hearts and in their lives. And it is good. It is a great blessing in our country that we have the opportunity to lawfully and legally make change when that's the case, if we see a need. But understand, friends, 
those same dissatisfactions that we can find with the governing authorities in our lives can become a fire of discontent that burns out of control and leads to a heart that rejects and rebels and resists the authorities. Sure, we might not march to Washington and might not be in the riots that reject what God has instituted, but in our hearts, in the way we speak and disparage and dismiss and demean and disrespect those whom God has placed into our lives, friends, that is not Christian. It is not what Christ calls us for. Even when we rightfully disagree, And please understand what that does to your faithfulness to the Lord then. This is what I mean. Daniel could not hold on to the Lord faithfully while at the same time rejecting the authority of the Babylonians. He couldn't because that was God's authority that he established. Does that make sense? In order for Daniel to be faithful to the Lord, It required him to humbly accept the situation that was and hold faithfully to the Lord no matter what the cost. And this is God's call for us as Christians too. In this time in between, we live in two kingdoms and the earthly kingdom will often butt heads with who we are as Christians. But Christ calls us not to throw off the authority he's established, but to, and this is the hard part, to be a Daniel, to accept it, and at the same time to make our faithfulness to God more important than anything else, despite the cost it might bring us. That's what Jesus meant when he said, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. Last point. We need to make it. Most important point. We've been talking about what God expects of us, asks of us, without saying at all, well, I've hinted at it, how in the world this can be true in our lives. There is a reason, friends, and I want to make this point loudly and clearly to you so you hold on to it as you go out today and you leave the service. There is a reason Daniel accepted the authority of, of a bunch of thugs like Babylon while at the same time holding faithfully to the Lord his God, and it was because of God's faithfulness to him. This whole Babylonian thing here, that the, Daniel and the believers, they knew that this was God's doing. They knew that God had set this in motion, that God was still in control, and that no matter what happened, God would remain faithful to his promises throughout this whole exile. And God promised some amazing things. Isaiah and Jeremiah and the other prophets, God had promised that there would be an end to Babylon. God had promised he'd bring his people back. And God had promised that that Messiah long foretold, would come. No questions asked. And not even the Babylonians with all their mighty power could stand in the way of God's promises. In short, friends, Daniel knew that the Lord was sovereign over the kings of men, kingdoms of men, and the kings of men, and would work through that for the good of his people. And that is also our confidence too. When we talk about submission to the governing authorities and holding faithfully to who the Lord is, it is not just 
moral proclamation for you to take home. It is an outcome. It is a fruit of knowing who's truly ruling our Savior. And if you want to see that, just look back and see what God did here. Daniel and his friends trusted that through Babylon, God would work things out for the good of his people. And that is exactly what happened. Through Babylon, God purified his people. Through Babylon, God protected a remnant of believers, brought them finally back to the promised land, and through them came the Savior that we call Jesus. God was faithful in Babylon, and because of that, our Savior came, and our Savior has now accomplished everything else that God said he would. He's rescued us not just from earthly exile, but eternal exile. He's brought us into his kingdom through the work of the Spirit in the gospel. And this Savior has promised that one day he will come back and he will bring us into the full glory of his kingdom. And like the promises to Daniel, this can never fail. Which is why we can humbly accept the authorities in our lives, unbelieving and unchristian though they be, while holding fast to our Lord in faithfulness. This is the time in which we live. Next week, we'll talk more about the cost of doing this. But for today, understand, we live in a time when the Lord, the sovereign Lord, rules the the kingdoms of this fallen world in the interest of the kingdom of his Son. And because that is true, we can live as confident and believing faithful members of both kingdoms. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Ascension. If you'd like to talk with Pastor Ben or just learn more about our ministry, check out our website at ascensionharrisburg.com.